Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the show. We're going to talk about how to not scout quarterbacks on today's podcast. Kyle, welcome. Something funny? You were laughing there when we started. Yeah, I'm laughing because I know this question I'm about to ask you. (laughs) It's not it's it, in a normal Joe Kyle conversation. It's not weird for this to be a question that we would ask each other. But the fact that we decided to save your answer for the podcast in lieu of just telling me when I opened our conversation 15 minutes ago with it um, <laughs> has me chuckling a little bit because uh, I just don't know what we're about to get into. But uh, anywho, I opened our conversation with Kyle. If you could pet any animal that exists on the globe, which one would you pet? And the premise is that this is a golden retriever type caliber example of this animal, right? It's not going to harm you. It's going to be snuggly, friendly, all that type of stuff. And you wanted some follow up here. And so we kind of got to the point here where it's going to be you could pet it, you know, just like a five second pet. And then that's it. And then also that you could cuddle with it or snuggle with it, whatever you want to do with it. And um, I'm on pins and needles waiting to know your answer. So I have two different answers then. Yeah. Yeah. So if I just have to like, or if I just get to pet it. Yeah. Right. I'd probably go with like, and it's a friendly version of the animal. Yeah. I would probably go with an, with an apex predator. Right. Because it's like, they are such powerful, like a tiger would be very high up on my list. If I were to cuddle with any creature on the face of the earth. Besides your wife. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) You're not, you're going to be very surprised by this answer. You're going to have to Google it. Oh, I was expecting you to say a grizzly bear. No, 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 no. You went the wrong way. I want something small if I'm going to cuddle. (laughs) Okay. Okay. A slow loris. Uh, I think I've seen this. It's a big eyed thing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I've seen this. These things are cute as shit, man. Like the little bush babies. Right, what what are the size of these puppies? Uh, looks like based on this Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, you can you can hold them in the palm of your hand. It's not going to give you much to hold on to there, bud. No, but I know he's just so fluffy and I know. I might I think know. I might have taken that for the pet, you know. For the pet. No, wait, I think I read about these. Wait, they're like venomous or something like that. I'm serious. There's something. No, I'm dead serious about this. They they lick themselves so frequently. There's something really crazy about these things. This is right up here. Go ahead. Oh, they yeah, they they potentially have a toxic bite. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. If they if they um there's apparently like a black market, which is like such a dick thing to do. Just don't let them be right. They live in like Southeast Asia. Just let them stay there in, in the jungle, please. But um, apparently there's like this black market for them where they they try and ship them overseas or whatever to be like 
uh, exotic pets and they have to like pull their teeth out yeah. because if they bite you, they'll yeah. see there it is. Get, yeah. It's not venomous. Also, I think it's just toxic. It's like a cat scratch fever. You familiar with cat scratch fever? No. That, that like, that's a real thing. I don't know. I thought it was like a song or a movie or something. Well, yeah, but it's a real thing too, where like based on, I guess the, the claws of the cats or whatever, if they scratch you and it's like very deep, like you can get an infection from it and get really sick. Um, this is right up there with our lawnmower discussion. We're going to get bad reviews on iTunes for this, I'm sure. Don't care. I don't care. I need to know your answer before we move oh, on. Oh, I was not prepared to answer this question. Well, then why are you asking me? Uh, for the cuddling, uh, for the cuddling, I'm getting some kind of crazy, like, could you imagine like a friendly tiger, like a white tiger, a Siberian tiger? Like how cool that would be, like a friendly one, you know, treating you like a kitten. Uh, that's what I'm cuddling with. For the, for the, for the, just the one pet, I'm picking something really dangerous, right? Like that you just normally wouldn't want to touch. I don't know. Like, um, alligator, crocodile, saltwater crocodile, 20 footer. Think so. Great white oh. shark. Yeah. I think like a great white shark. Like I know that I'm not going to get in trouble for that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's, I'd pick something crazy like that. Okay. Very good. Well, we're going to move on. First five minutes of the show. talking about exotic animals. Yeah. Where else on the world could you get that kind of talk on an NFL draft podcast? It's five fan, days fan Friday on Locked On NFL Draft. I think they get a little yeah, wild there. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're we're a little bit more uh, focused on uh, the gridiron, I guess, on versus <laughs> Fan Fridays. Um, all right, so I had posed a question, Joe, because I, I wanted to, and I said yesterday I was going to write this in a satirical format. And it came out like shit. So I said, well, <laughs> I'm going to keep the subject idea, but I have to change the the format because it just it was not writing well. I don't know if I'm not funny enough. A lot of people listening will probably just assume that's the case. Um, but I wanted to do a satire on like how to parentheses not scout a quarterback. And it touches on all of these stupid, lazy narratives that involve uh Alabama hasn't put out a good quarterback in forever so Tua's not going to be any good in the NFL stuff like that and then what I had done on top of that is kind of pose the question just to make sure I didn't miss anything last night as I'm writing the article and I asked everybody like what is your most grown inducing lazy narrative about college quarterbacks going to the NFL we got some good answers sure did enough for me to want to talk about this here on today's podcast uh you want to kind of just get into some of the the big ones? Notable. Do, do? do you want to do the ones that I I, I touched on uh, yeah. in the article? Yeah, let's get into that. I got to pull it up. So why don't you lead us off? Yeah. So the fir- the first one that I touched on was exactly what I just said, as far as uh, the perception that schools can't put out good quarterbacks uh, if they haven't put out a quarterback in recent time. Uh, and I had a couple different rebuttals to that. The first one is um, everybody's excited about Tua because he's not like every other Alabama quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Like that in itself is a reason why everybody is going crazy for Tua because it was, oh my gosh, like Alabama's quarterback now. And they've been so successful without one. My second rebuttal to that is where are the fan clubs for Alan Bowman, Chase Garbers, Tommy Stevens, and Juwan Pass? Because those are the quarterbacks at the schools that have put out 
hot NFL quarterbacks in recent history, like Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, uh, Jared Goff. There's you. There's no connection, right? It's like they, they, these things go on an individual by individual basis. And I'm sure some people out there are going to just slam the hand on the table and say, Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma. And you can't say that because Jalen Hurts, where did he play before this year, Joe? Alabama. Okay, the same school that everybody says Tua can't be good for because he <laughs> plays there. It's dumb. And then what I actually did, I actually enjoyed this, Joe, is I looked at uh, every Super Bowl winning quarterback, what college they came from. Really? That's fun. Do you know how many schools have produced more than two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks? I mean, I have the list here, so it's... Uh, but did you count them? Uh, what is it, like three or four? Two. Purdue and Alabama are the only two schools that can claim more than two Super Bowl winning oh, quarterbacks. More than two, yeah, okay. More than two. Yeah, I still like to know what uh, what does Tua Tagovailoa have to do with Blake Sims, Jake Coker, and John David Booty? And Color the helmet and AJ McCarron, and we get this with and the coach and the coach they played for, right? It's, and you know, it's like the thing about it is, it's this particular talking point extends beyond quarterbacks, right? You get the people that don't like Clemson pass rushers, right? Or they don't like uh, what is it? Florida State has one of those. They don't like uh, Florida State. What is the position that I always go after? It is escaping me right now. Penn, it's, I'm thinking of Penn State. Penn State pass rushers, right? Because they're yeah. all Aaron Maven. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, it's it's bad. It's lazy. Um, it's just like, the, what was the – they were talking about uh, week one, the Bills and Jets. Le'Veon Bell's going to have a good game against the Bills defense because he did back in 2014 and 2016. Oh, okay. Like, like how many other players are on the, t- the team that were on the team when Le'Veon played <laughs> – Exactly zero. Right. Jerry Hughes, like the only point, like, what are we doing? They're unrelated. It shouldn't be this hard, but they make it this hard because it's, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why this is even like a correlation that people try and make. We got some, uh, some good ones here to get to right after this. But uh, first I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the same uh, FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a deal for you. You can check out BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay five bucks for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We'll be right back after this to talk about bad QB narratives. You're up, senor. All right, all right, all right. What's the next one here? The next one here is the myth that Blank never wins any big games. He can't cut it in the NFL. What's this about, huh? Never won any big games. Doesn't that have a lot to do with team and opportunity? And uh, is there is there a one for one here? I, this the, the the name that really pops here is Derek Carr. 
Remember Derek Carr, Fresno State, going up against USC in that bowl game, and everyone put so much stock in that game. This is the yeah. big measuring stick for Derek Carr. If he can make it as an NFL quarterback, he's going to have to show it against USC. You know what he did? I almost feel like day? that game killed any chance he had of going in the first round. It, it really did. It really did. And, and they got, I mean, they got the blow, the doors blown off. It wasn't like 41 14 or something like that. Yeah, it, it was bad. It was bad. It was it, like it, Daniel Jones versus Clemson this past year, too. I mean, and that did, that did expose some warts with Daniel Jones, but there's too many other variables that go into play to pin this on the quarterback specifically. I did. I thought I really enjoyed looking at the top three passers on in yardage, career passers and passing yardage in NFL history, and looking at their track record in big games in college. They're all bad. <laughs> right. Every single one of them had a losing record. I see that you have it here. Drew, Drew, Drew Brees was six and ten in games against ranked opponents at Purdue. He was three and five against top ten teams. And I'm pretty sure he got two of those wins in his final season, his senior season. Winless in New Year's Day Bowls. His only bowl game was like the Alamo Bowl in 98. They beat number four Kansas State on like December 29th or something like that. Yeah, I remember that Peyton game. Manning ne- never beat Florida in four tries. Nope. Two and six against top 10 opposition. Brett Favre's three and seven against ranked teams at Southern Miss. It's like, look at the evidence of the players that have been successful before you decide this is something that matters, right? We have a track record of all these great quarterbacks in NFL history. And it turns out like the absolute three best as far as longevity and success as far as moving the ball down the field, all stunk in top against top competition in college. It's Meanwhile, almost like quarterback wins aren't a stat. Meanwhile, the the opposite of that too, right? Some of the the, the most uh, productive college quarterbacks that have had the you know the biggest moments aren't necessarily good pro quarterbacks, right? Like look at Team Kellen Tebow, Moore, Kellen Moore, yes, uh, um, uh, Josh Ken, uh, Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey is a great example. Uh, who's the kid from Oklahoma? Jason White, J- Josh Heupel, yeah. yeah, all these guys, man, yeah, Chris Winkie. That one of the things that I tried to do for this. Uh, and, and went to look for uh, was looking up like if anybody had put together the list of like the top 25 uh, or the top 20 or top 10 like college quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. A lot of bad names on that list. Danny Werfel, Matt Leinert, Charlie oh, Leinert Ward. was one that popped up. Vince Young was another one that popped up. Um. As far Vince as like Young can win the big game in college, right? He beat USC. Right. He won the big game, Kyle. Won the big game. How about AJ McCarron? 36 and 4 record. I bet two he's national a great titles. Against top 10 teams. Yeah. 36 and 4, two national titles, won the SEC, and he's never going to be a preferred starter in the NFL. Colt McCoy. Yeah, the opposite of this is really interesting, just as well as the, the one you presented in the article. All right. I'm pu- I'm pulling up the numbers right now, Joe. On Daniel Jones <laughs> and his career against ranked competition. I'll tell you about Josh Allen's career against ranked competition. 
It was not good. <laughs> Better against the NFL than he was against uh, Iowa. All right, Daniel <laughs> Daniel Jones played seven games against ranked teams in three years as a starter at the University of Duke. Okay. What do you think his record was? Seven games? Yep. One and six. One and six. You are correct. Beat Virginia Tech, right? And then we ranked? Uh, no, the only time they beat a ranked team was North Carolina <laughs> in 2016, 28-27. Was that the last game of the year? No, they had two more games after that. Okay. I know they usually play oh, this was the this was the game Trubisky had these guys sprint out in the first 10 minutes to like a, 10, a 14 nothing lead. Imagine watching that game back in 2016, knowing you were watching two top two, 10 quarterbacks. Two top 10 quarterbacks at Duke and North Carolina. <laughs> a weird little world we live in, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last one that I touched about in, in the article, Joe, was that there's too much talent. I hear this one with two all the time, too. Too much talent around so-and-so. Life won't be that easy in the NFL. And I think this one... I didn't totally debunk this one because I think there is some logic and reason that can be applied to it that makes it like a reasonable statement to make. But to dismiss a quarterback because he's surrounded by top-end talent is foolish because we've seen Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma played in a loaded offense, and from the same draft class, Josh Allen played at Wyoming and had jack shit around him. And they're both promising rookie or promising second year quarterbacks at this point, right? Mm-hmm. We saw Deshaun Watson come from a Clemson team that slayed the giant that was Alabama in the 2016 national championship. These he had every skill player around him was a, is an NFL player, you know, a top ten pick in Mike Williams at wide receiver, third or fourth round pick in Wayne Gallman in the backfield. A bunch of guys that went, you know, midday three everywhere else around them. Didn't have an offensive line, but at the same time, they had a ton of talent. But no matter where you play at the college level, Carson Wentz played at an FCS school. I don't see anybody from North Dakota State playing in the NFL. No matter where you come from in college, when you go to the next level, the entirety of that supporting cast around you is going to be more talented than whatever you played with, right? You might have a position group where Alabama's wide receivers this year might be better than Miami Dolphins wide receivers at Miami right now. Might be the case. But every NFL team is effectively, use that phrase usually with the Dolphins this year, an all-star college team based on it's the best of the best. The difference is the speed of the defenders and the timing and the windows and they're smaller and everybody's a half step faster so all you really have to you just look at the precision and the consistency, right? Well, uh, to me, what's fascinating about this specific talking point is the practical application, and the reason we're talking about it is Tua, right? Tua's got three first round picks at quarter at wide receiver, and yes. Waddle, Rugs, and and Judy. I mean, potentially you know, top 10, 15 guys, right? And of course, Alabama's great offensive linemen and running backs, and you know how, how do you, how do you how do you how do you put this together with Tua in mind. What, what, what does it tell you? Are you concerned? Is it something with specifically Tua Tagovailoa that concerns you about his projection? No, because all, you, you just extrapolate, right? You extrapolate the reps that matters versus the ones that don't. And inevitably, with this supporting cast on this team, 
with the schedule they've played so far, the vast majority of reps that Alabama has played thus far don't have any significant impact. You're looking for the little things in those reps. You're looking for, is he making the changes to the line of scrimmage mentally? What does it take? And then you, you wait for those games and those opportunities. Like when they play LSU, like when they play Georgia, like when they play Oklahoma and you look for the throws that are NFL caliber throws into NFL caliber windows. You just have to spot choose and and search and dig a little bit deeper to get past the superficial, like, okay, he threw a bubble slant or bubble screen and it went 75 yards for a touchdown because Henry Ruggs can run 24 and a half miles per hour. (laughs) He's so good. Which is unbelievably fast, by the way. I know. They, they, and Rugg said they they timed him at, at max speed of over 24 miles per hour Sick. on that touchdown against South Carolina. Unbelievable. Um, but I think that's really – and that's that's what I try to say when I say look at the accuracy and the timing. If the mental timing is there, that bodes very well for a next-level projection. If the ball placement is where it needs to be, that bodes extremely well no matter what. Like people tried to say this about Baker Mayfield too. Well, you know, Baker played in a spread offense with Lincoln Riley and a bunch of, you know, good good supporting cast around him. He had D.D. Westbrook there at one point. He was a Heisman finalist and uh, hasn't really found his feeding or footing at the next level. I believe he played with Sterling Shepard as well. Joe Mixon, like, you can go down the list. Like, Oklahoma had a ton of skill players. But you looked at Baker's ball placement, and he was extremely accurate once he really fell into himself as a senior and, and took the next step as a football player. So you just have to extrapolate the reps. I don't think it's an automatic disqualifier like some people try and treat it to be that's like, oh, well, he can't be any good because he plays with all good players at the college level. You mentioned Baker, and unless I just lived under a rock last draft season, I don't really remember this conversation being relevant with Kyler Murray, who had five NFL offensive linemen in front of him, C.D. Lamb, Hollywood Brown, Grant Calcaterra, Trey Sermon, I mean, was that not – I mean, I don't remember a lot of people saying, oh, Kyler had all these great players around him. Uh, no, because they were too focused on his height. <laughs> right? It's like you just – there's people trying – and I get this is part of the draft process. I've said this before on this show. The draft process is essentially people searching for a reason not to invest in you. It's, yeah. Right? Disqualifiers, right? But it can be so exhausting. It's just like, just let a guy be good. Right? Like, if a guy's good, just embrace the fact that he's good. Yeah. Don't sit here and try and poke holes in the straw man because you're looking on the horizon and, like, everybody's romanticizing Trevor Lawrence right now. Guess what? This time next year, everyone's going to be talking about all the interceptions that Trevor Lawrence threw in September this year. (laughs) Right, against Georgia Tech and uh, whatever. I guarantee you it's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just how it goes. We always we always say this, right? Like quarterbacks always start out as this really shiny image, right? And then it's just downhill from there. How many yeah, holes can you put? Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. It really is. And we're starting to see that. It's a good point. We're already kind of starting to see it with Trevor Lawrence, who was, you know, the next greatest thing that's ever happened to football. Which I still think he is. But. Four weeks ago, right? But lots well, a lot can change. <laughs> Not it. anymore, yeah. <laughs> Roll it back. Yeah. What about this left-handed thing? Let's close with this, Kyle. Left-handed, that's the other practical application with Tua. There's not a long list of guys in the NFL that have played quarterback that are left-handed. There hasn't really been one drafted in a long time. 
Uh, does it matter? Is this, I mean, are all just the good left-handed people that can throw things, play baseball? What what do you what do you make of this left-handed stuff? Um, I think it's relevant to acknowledge the fact that he's left-handed. I think it's really interesting that Miami, specifically the team that you know by all accounts is gunning for Tua, uh, spent the entire preseason grooming Jesse Davis to play right tackle. Then they trade Laramie Tunsil, and six days before the season starts, they flip him over to left tackle and sign him to an extension. I find that interesting because if you have a left-handed quarterback, the right tackle is the blindside protector. Right. So if the Dolphins feel like, hey, we, we don't need to invest heavily in two offensive tackles. We like Jesse Davis. Let's use the burner year in 2019 to get him 16 games worth of starting reps as the left tackle when he's the the front side offensive tackle for a left-handed quarterback, it's like, are they playing checkers? Or are they playing chess a little bit with some of their personnel right now? But I think it, it does warrant consideration. And did you ever uh, listen to the uh, uh, football life on, on uh, Jerry Rice? Yeah, I've heard him talk about left-handed quarterbacks, yeah. So he, he had, uh, San Francisco had a, a ball boy. Uh, when they were making the change from Montana to Young. And they said Jerry Rice made this ball boy throw him thousands of passes <laughs> because he was left-handed so that Jerry himself could adjust to the spin on the ball from addressing a right-handed quarterback versus a left-handed quarterback. Does that disqualify you or tarnish your value? No. You have a bunch of professional football players Go hit the jugs. Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll have to construct your offensive line a little differently from a priority standpoint, right versus left tackle. But your receivers, I mean, just get the reps. You got all summer. You'll be fine. So it sounds like, you know, Tristan Wirf's a natural right tackle. Just uh, obviously the Dolphins second first round pick on. Huh? This is all just listen, just all scheming it together. Huh, Kyle? Listen, I sent it in the, the draft network Slack today. Yeah, Sign Brandon Scherf to play right guard, draft two to play quarterback, draft worse with worse with the Steelers pick, and then draft Tyler Beatis with the Texans pick. I'm gonna oh be Oh my god. I, that that was uh, the Dolphins hypothetical of the day. We'll get a new one tomorrow. It's part of a tradition that we get. Draft network this is, Slack. Well, the Dolphins are the draft. <laughs> this year the Dolphins are the draft. I get it. I get it. Business is booming, Joe. Uh, yeah. Any parting thoughts? Uh, any any tw- any replies to the tweet that you wanted to acknowledge? Because uh, I had put out the question and, and asked, what are your most groan-inducing uh, narratives? Product of a system is interesting. Which, I mean, how many air raid quarterbacks are starting in the NFL this week? Like eight? Nine. <laughs> Nine, something like that. It's crazy. Uh, we got to place with too much talent. The team that they play for, he's a winner. Looks the part. Oh, wait, that's a good one. Looks the part. You know how many quarterbacks we have to watch because he looks the part and they can't play? Clayton Thorson looking at you. That is a bad that's a that is one that annoys me. <laughs> you know who doesn't look the part? <laughs> the last three number one overall picks, assuming two is the number one pick in 2020. Correct. Correct. Can we stop talking about that? That's not a qualifier. 
I mean, there's there's a certain threshold you have to meet. Kyler didn't even meet it, but from an arm <laughs> talent perspective and a two way versatility perspective, NFL made an exception. Arizona made an exception. Kyler's looked pretty solid the first two weeks. I give him credit. Problems with him, man. But that's what I'm saying is like we're sitting here watching watching guys like Felipe Franks and Clayton Thorson and. Oh my God, he's six five. Can get over the line, right? Now I will. I will say this: You know how many passes Kyler had batted in the first half against Baltimore? Uh, I don't know, but he had a lot batted against in Week One. I think he had like four passes batted. He had a ton against Detroit in Week One. So that was one of the concerns, right? Is it's like that release point, especially with Kyler, because he had so much like natural talent with his arm that he was willing to kind of drop him sidearmed or three quarters and he varies his release point. And when you're five, nine and three quarters and your three quarters release point, I mean, if there's a guy standing in front of you, you might hit him in the back of the head with the ball. Yeah. You know? So like, I think that'll always be something he fights a little bit, but you have to, it's like a wide receiver and drops. You have to be willing to live and die with, a batted pass versus the explosive plays that he's capable of making. Well, and for Kyler, I'm not concerned that it's happening right now. We, we thought it would, right? My concern is if we're talking about this later in the season and early next year, right? I mean, still a player with a lot of upward momentum in terms of yeah. his evolution as a player. So like, let's let it happen. And there's no reason to crucify him for it right now. It's only an issue if it continues to be one. I have one last breaking news item for you before we sign off. Oh, wow. Okay. I need you to go to your Twitter DM. All right. I am there. Look at these Golden Gophers helmets. The ones they wore last week were pretty amazing. Let's see what we got here. Come on. There it is. Oh, okay. The one on the right is the one they wore last week. Yeah. This this one on the left is amazing, too. Yeah, these are are awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well done. 10 out of 10. Really nice uh, compliments with the the face mask colors. Yeah, this this is tremendous. So Which one? You can only it, pick one. Which one you picking? I'm going with the go from the right. Yeah, the, the ones in maroon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With the the mega uh, gopher logo. Do you see the first? Repl- Don't be this plebe here. Uh, takes on takes, Joe Brian Naplinski at Go Football. Maybe focus on winning over fashion. Don't see the Badgers changing the W on the helmet. Do you? Obviously, alluding to Wisconsin. No, I've said this a lot. Good teams don't really change their uniforms that often. So you, and, and you agree with this? You agree no, with this I, take from Brian that no, like you're I, wasting your time, don't just focus on listen, winning football games? I love new uniforms. I love freshening things up. I love it all. But I am telling you right now that there's a direct link between teams that are historically usually good and not changing their uniforms. And the teams that are usually pretty bad, they change their uniforms all the time. Listen, Ohio State and Florida have like new alternate uniforms every single year. I do right, not buy the, this at all. I, Alabama. Okay. Clemson. Georgia. Clemson didn't Clemson just debut like new purple uniforms last year? No, they wear purple britches every year at the end of the year, but britches? Yeah, what man, britches. 1800s? That's what they say. Little old Clemson. Purple britches, man. Please continue. You've named three schools. Um, Notre Dame. Notre Dame just wore the pinstripes uniform last yeah, year. Playing you, can't, 
you, mixing in something is not the same as how is this different? Revolutionizing your look. Think about it from the NFL side of things. Who's always getting new uniforms? Jets, Bucks, Cardinals. Maybe not the Cardinals. I don't know, man. I'm just saying that the the, the established teams and universities and they don't change their uniforms nearly as much as bad but, ones do. But what people like Brian Naplinski are missing is that is a completely different section of the football program and operations. Do you think the head coach is sitting there drawing up fucking helmet designs? No, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. They're not. So just enjoy a nice, fun new helmet. Or if you're I, Brian, like, go outside and take a walk. I want to leave you with this. Eli Manning was asked about what his advice for Daniel Jones would be, and this is what he said. Throw it to the guy wearing the same jersey you are. Wise. You would have thought <laughs> you'd have thought Eli would have applied that a little bit more. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Yeah. So there you go. How many interceptions did Eli throw his career? Uh probably a lot. Still- he threw two last week against the Bills. Three times in his career, Eli Manning has led the NFL in interceptions. That's almost as impressive. Vinny Testiver to the all-time leader to do that four different times. Four different times? Yeah, he did it four. Vinny Testaverde led the NFL in interception thrown on four different occasions. And the most amazing part of it is that it was in three different decades. (laughs) Uh, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, huh? 80s was with the Bucks. Uh, I don't know who the 90s was with, but the 2000s, I'm assuming, was with the Jets. I think the 90s was with the Jets and the 2000s was with the Panthers. Oh, really? <laughs> I think so. Someone's going to yell at me because I got that wrong, but he's done it four different times. It's a, it's an NFL record. All right. Well, our our last, last topic, because now you've got me interested. <laughs> okay. Because I'm going to look at Eli Manning's legacy for interceptions thrown. Where do you surmise Eli Manning falls on the all-time interceptions thrown list? Uh, I'll go with 10th. You're close. He's actually only seven interceptions away from being 10th on the list. Okay. He's 14th. With how many? 241. Oh. Y.A. Tittle is 10th with 248. Testaverde has 267. So yep. where does that put him? Fourth. Where, right. Can I finish? Let me finish this thought on Testaverde. 35 and 88 with Tampa, 22 and 89 with Tampa, 25 and 2000 with the Jets, and 20 with the Cowboys in 2004. There's the four different times he did it. Wow. So it's not three yeah. different decades. It's 80 yeah, but 2000s. What's remarkable about that is that he continued playing in the 90s and didn't, you know what I mean? Like he didn't. Do it again. Uh, wasn't for lack of trying, man. He, no, played, he threw a lot of football. Start, started 16 games for the Ravens in 96 and threw 19 picks. But he also um, threw – dude, that's actually a crazy number. He had 33 touchdown passes on 549 <laughs> attempts, which is 6% of his pass attempts in 96 as a full-time starter for the Ravens. So nearly 10% of his throws were either a touchdown or an interception that year. 
Yes. <laughs> oh boy. Eight percent of the throws for his career were either interceptions or touchdowns. That's got, I mean, I, that's a whole big can of worms, but I'd be fascinated in knowing like what those, well, how that relates to the rest of history, you know, 4% of all pass attempts intercepted 4.1% touchdowns. <laughs> we're getting the hell out of here. Thanks for listening to draft dudes, uh, college football lines tomorrow. We're going to be, uh, uh, looking at the top 25 slate, looking for a bounce back week. We did. Okay, Joe. I think we were like one or two games over 500. You were oh, one game better than I was. Yeah, I'll take. Um, oh, yeah. Go yeah. uh go Sun Devils, right? Yeah. 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 Michigan State let me down. I should just stay away from them altogether, man. The takes yeah, are they're, not they're, good with Michigan they've State. They've never been good to you. I mean, Malik oh. McDowell will work you this shit. Come Whoa, on, you know? McDowell. Yeah, didn't you like Malik McDowell? No. No, oh, I think I had Malik McDowell outside my top fifty that year. Oh, okay. All he right. was DT one, but he was outside like my top fifty, I think. Larry Rock and Joby was DT two. All right. Send it. We're sending it uh, off to some staff meetings for the draft network. Some exciting news coming this afternoon. Keep an eye out for on social media and we'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.